Hey, this is Dustin, one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to listen to one of our sermons. We hope that this sermon encourages you, inspires you, and compels you towards a closer walk with Jesus and one another. If you would like to learn more about Grace Bible Church, contact us or partner with us financially, you can connect with us at www.gbc.life. Welcome to our church family. We hope that you enjoy the message. Good morning, Grace Bible Church. How are we doing? You can clap for me, I know. Thanks, Du, my biggest fan. I love you. You're the best. Man. Hey, we're so glad to be here. Before we get started, uh, this season we've been talking about Advent, and we've been doing this over the last couple years. Um, I just want to challenge you with something real quickly. Before we get started, I hope that you don't hear these sermons, you don't hear these words, you don't hear and take this season for granted. But allow it to be a reminder to you that our Savior was born as a baby in this season, and the reason that we celebrate Christmas is because of Him. So let's never forget the importance of that. But before we get started, we will be in Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. You could turn to your Bible there. But while we're waiting for that, quick reminders. Yes, our Christmas Eve service is and will be on Christmas Eve. How fitting, right? You know what I'm saying? And that'll be the service times will be 2, 4, and 6. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of laughter, a lot of celebration. Um, but ultimately, it's going to be a great opportunity for us to worship together um, and focus on Jesus that night, the night before one of the craziest, busiest days of our lives where you'll spend a lot of time with batteries and opening things. You know, all that fun stuff. Um, also, we're really excited because we have some special guests here today. Um, and it's something that's near and dear to my heart because I am a firm believer in sports ministry. Um, if you don't realize how important and how key of a part our coaches play, many of you in this room who have coached know, and many of you that have been under coaches know that they have some of the greatest influence in your life. So I want to give a quick shout out uh, to our man, Coach Brooks, and our JV basketball team. CB's JV basketball team. What's up, fellas? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? We're glad you guys are here. Hey, co- cool thing about that is not only is Coach Brooks, as I always call him, is a deacon here at our church and serves our church family well. Not only is he an amazing husband and amazing parent to, to some kids that are just awesome, he also takes the time to invest in young people. He doesn't just coach them about the X's and O's of basketball, but he coaches them in life. Because really, it's not just about scoring buckets for him. It's not just about winning games, but it's about making sure that he's raising up godly young men who know what it means to win in life. And so, come on, man. Give it up to Coach Brooks. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for that, Coach. Hey, y'all boys, I know y'all some knuckleheads, and I know y'all probably can't stand him half the time, especially when he's got y'all sprinting. I'll tell you what, you are blessed to have a coach who cares more about your character than he does your performance. And I'm telling you, you may not find that everywhere, but here in Sebring and Highlands County and Lake Placid and in Avon Park, we are blessed with some coaches who take the time to vest in young people. Thank you, coaches, and thank you, everyone. Let's give it up one more time for them. We're glad they're here. Also... Shout out to those all church online. We are so glad that you joined us from the comfort of your home. We hope you're enjoying your breakfast, your waffles, or whatever it may be. Um, But we're thankful you're here. Make sure you blow up the comment section. Make sure you leave a like. And make sure you share so your friends can see what's going on here and they can join us for church this morning. At this point, you're either at Luke 2 or you're not going to turn there. So let's get started here. The season of Advent, right, we've been talking about this for a few years, but just a quick reminder is the word Advent is Latin for the word coming or longing or waiting. It simply means that there was this period of time where we were waiting, the people of God were longing and waiting for something to happen. 
In fact, they believe that this period was about a 400-year period where there was no major miracles, no major um, moves, no major prophets, nothing major was happening within the realm of what God was doing in the lives of people. Now, was God still at work? Absolutely. God did not just take 400 years off. That's not what he was doing. Um, God was still at work and God was still doing things. But in this season, the people of God were waiting and longing for a Savior. Isaiah had promised them what this Savior would look like. And they were waiting for this mighty warrior to show up, this, this giant Savior to come and smite all their enemies. And we're going to talk a little bit today about how expectations, how the expectation may have been, uh, may have been but what reality truly was. So, the thing we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the word love. And I love love. I do. I really do. I'm a very loving person, okay? Like I, I'm a very driven by people. I love people. I care a lot about what people say. So just remember that when you're trying to break my heart in the, hot, the lobby after the service. Um, I care a lot, and I love people. And it's not a pat on the back for me. It simply just means that I'm just a very, that's just who I am. It's in my DNA. Um, but I, I feel that we all should realize the importance of love. So I'm hoping you walk out of here learning what the definition of love is, learning how to walk in love, and understanding who love is. And as we move forward in this, we're about to read in Luke 2, it reminds me of how we have miscued the word love. In fact, the English language is really lazy um, because we use love for all kinds of loves, right? Like, I love pizza, okay? I love it. That's what actually is my love language. It's my wife's too. That's why we're perfect for each other. Anything's going crazy, we'll buy each other pizza and everything just magically becomes okay, all right? We love pizza, okay? I love the Florida Gators. <laughs> I thought they were a shoe in to make the playoffs. <laughs> oh man, even worse, I love the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> We're competing to be the worst team in the NFL right now. <sighs> Breathe. Anyways, I love my wife, right? I use the same adjective to describe all these things. Do I love my wife as much as I love pizza? No, no way, right? Like, my love for my wife is so much different, and it's so much more intimate. There's so much more to it. I do love pizza a lot, and it is close. If you ask her on most days, though, pizza might take the number one ranking for her. Um, but I'm blessed with an amazing wife that I love and get to share life with, and I enjoy being. My, just a side note, I've almost been married for three years. Who thinks that's crazy? Like, I feel like I was just married yesterday, right? Yeah, I made it. I practically understand marriage, right? <laughs> it's all downhill from here, right? Or uphill, whatever you say. Anyways, not to do anything. What's wrong with me? All right. But the word love has become so miscued, so I'm hoping that you're going to leave this room this morning really understanding what it means to love biblically, but also what the greatest display of love was and is. So we're going to read in Luke 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. I know I said that wrong. Take it up with Cameron. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, his engaged, his fiancée, who was with child. 
And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Let me catch you up real quick. Remember, there was an angel that appeared to Mary. Dustin talked a little bit about this. There's an angel that appeared to Mary and said, Hey, Mary, you're going to give birth to a child. And Mary's like, how's that possible? You know, I ain't never, in Dustin's words, before, you know what I'm saying? I never, nothing's ever happened. I'm a ver- how's that possible? And, and the angel was like, hey, it'll be from the Spirit of God. You are going to have the Savior of the universe, right? Pretty crazy. A lot of pressure if you ask me, okay? That's way too much pressure. And then, as they're going through, the problem was, right, Mary was betrothed, which means she was engaged, See, two and two ain't adding up. You're like, That's, that can't be a good look. Well, then an angel appeared to Joseph, thankfully, because if I was Joseph and Mary tried to walk up me and tell me, it's not, it's God's baby, I swear. I'd be like, what? I don't know about all that. I'd be like, we're about to go to Jerry Springer because I don't know what this is. I, that ain't my, the baby ain't mine. I'm sorry. But the, the angel of the Lord shows up to Joseph, tells him, hey, it is true. What she's saying is true. So listen, as they're going through this experience, you can imagine as a young couple who clearly appear to be living outside of what they're called to do, right? They're, they're, they're supposed to wait till marriage. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to get married and then have kids. Um, and it looks like they're about to have a kid before they're even married. And you realize something in this moment that you're like, this is a hodgepodge, a hot mess. But you come to realize really quickly that the way that God chooses to enter the story is in a beautiful way that we would never, ever imagine. If my Savior, if my Jesus was entering the story, he would have showed up six foot eight with the lightsaber ripped and just like smited anyone who like opposed him, okay? That would be my Savior Jesus. Like he would just be, you would have to believe, you'd be like, I have to believe. He's definitely who he says he is. He can fly and he's got laser beams shooting from his eyes. But that's not the way that he chooses to enter this story. And it brings me to where we're starting. In this Advent season, we're talking about love. And I want you to hear something. That love is a person and his name is Jesus. We have to understand that apart from Jesus, we cannot understand truly what it means to love. And when Jesus enters this story, as 1 John 4, 9 says, he said, in this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In fact, I couldn't say it any better than a Max, Max Licato quote says this. The God of the universe was born into the poverty of a peasant, spent his first night in the cow's feeding troughs, The God of the universe left the glory of heaven and moved into the neighborhood. A lot of times we we scramble through life and we find ourselves looking for this perfect love, right? We we have shows about it. We have all these things about it. We got coaches for it. All these things to help us to find love. And I must tell you this, that love is only found in Jesus. And when we stop to realize that love is no longer a feeling or a thing, but is a person, we can fix our eyes on what it looks like to reciprocate that love. Because love entered the world in the most feeble and fragile way. Imagine this. Creator of the universe, up in heaven, decided that it was time to enter the story, to enter the world, and he entered in as a baby. 
I can't help but be reminded that God's story often is so much different than my view of how things ought to be. I have to remember that the way that God is working things out, the trials, the things, that Jesus couldn't even feed himself, he wasn't born walking, all these things going on, we have to realize that he entered the story in the most humble way. Philippians 2, 6-10 tells us that, that who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. When we read the Christmas story, we can't forget that though it is just a cute baby, when we think about this story, and we can't help but think, oh, cute little baby in a manger. And we love to see it. We love to see the joy of children, right? By the way, Cora Jane, you did such an amazing job reading. You're a superstar. Cameron, do better next time, okay? Cora, great. Cameron, do better next time. We see this beautiful child, and we think of it, and we're like, ah, so cute. It's so awesome. But we must remember that Jesus stepping out of heaven and being born into a trough is the most beautiful picture of what a selfless love truly is. If I were Jesus, I would have asked to have been born into a royal family with lots of food and good stuff. But he was born into a poor family who society would look at and say, there's something wrong with y'all. They couldn't even get a room in the inn, which means they were probably late. Showing up late, they went for the journey, or whatever the case was. I'm not going to blame Mary. She didn't, probably did her makeup. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. It, it does, it's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that Jesus was born in the most fragile possible way and it shows me that love is humble and it shows me that love is not self-seeking and it shows me that love does not have preference it shows me that even Jesus even the savior of the world did not find himself too good to be born in a horse trough such a beautiful picture of what love looks like Let me give you point two here. I got three of them for you. If you're a point person, you're welcome, because I am. Here we go. Not only did this baby grow up in a manger, but he offers a love, and it's the love of God that brings eternal life. It's not just the love that was born to show, to be on display as a child. It was not just a love that was nurtured and fed. It was not just a love that would grow up to one day be a savior, but it was a love that offers eternal life. Because we know that manger love grew up to be savior love. Jesus didn't just live a life and then disappear and vanish or whatever the case. Jesus didn't just live a careful life. He lived a life that was honoring to God. In fact, he lived a life that was full of loving people and loving them well. Caring for people, feeding people, healing people, pursuing people, talking to people. Jesus lived a life that was honoring to God, a sinless life, a perfect life, because we know that in the beginning, right, we go back to Genesis, Genesis 3, you look at Adam and Eve, and we hear this, this story of how they're sitting in the garden, God has one rule, he says, don't eat this fruit, and everyone's like, dude, simple rule, just don't eat the fruit, but I'm about to call y'all out right now, I'm gonna tell y'all why, y'all ready for this, you guys have kids, and I'm gonna say kids first, but y'all know it's y'all too, you ever tell a kid not to do something, what do they do? Come on, man. Don't lie. And I'm not talking about like big things, you know, like don't do this, obviously. But you tell a kid, you tell a kid like, don't push that button, right? 
Don't put that fork where it shouldn't go. You know what I'm talking about? The, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying not to give ideas. Y'all got kids out here. I understand. But yeah, I'm saying like, y'all say these things. Don't do these things. Why? Because they're going to cause harm to you. I know what's best for you. But here's the deal. Adam and Eve, they hear this story. They hear this rule, and they decide to disobey and go back. It kind of reminds me of, I was at an FCA training once, and um, we're in this FCA corporate office, which is actually in Kansas City, which is right across from the, the Chiefs Stadium. It's a beautiful stadium. Oh, my gosh, beautiful. And um, I'm up on, like, the second floor. There's, like, no one around me for some reason. I don't know why, but I was making a phone call, and I'm just wandering around like I do, like I own the place or whatever. Um, and all of a sudden, I walk by this box on the wall. And this box on the wall has got big, bright yellow lettering on it. And it doesn't say fire alarm. No, that's lame. I wouldn't care about it. It says push in case of intruder. I'm like, what? It's a glass box that you got to lift up. Okay, like I've seen this in the movies. You lift up, jam the button. You know what I'm talking about? And here's the deal. My curiosity peaked and I'm sitting here looking at this box. And as I'm thinking, if I were to lift this up and to jam this red flashing button, what could possibly happen? Is this going to be like a James Bond film? Or like Century Turret's going to pop down? Or like Ninja's going to jump from the sky and like be ready to chop someone up? You know what I'm saying? Or is there a security team here that's going to come rushing up? Is there going to be bright flashing lights and everyone's going to be told to evacuate? Or is it a silent alarm? I don't know. But I could not help but think what would happen if I pushed the button. Side note, I didn't push the button, but it was only because the Holy Spirit in me told me not to. Okay? Seriously. Guys, fun fact, I should have probably pushed it. Honestly, now that I look back, hindsight's 2020. I should have pushed it. But it reminds me that we can't help but run towards, chase, or pursue the things that we're not meant to. Why? Because often when we know that Jesus and God, we know God knows best, but often we think that we know best. And Adam and Eve had done that. They eat of the fruit, and it, internally, it eternally separated us from God. We are without hope. We were broken and we were lost and we could have no way to commune with a perfect God because a perfect God cannot be in the presence of sin. We come to realize that God didn't see this as an opportunity to say, let me clear the whiteboard and let me start over as I probably would have if I was God. So y'all lucky I'm not God because I would have just wiped y'all out and started again. But what did he do? He chose to continue the course. And hear me, I need you to hear, it's really important. A lot of times we treat Jesus as he was plan B, or he was just the remedy, or he was just the, oh no, he's the vaccine. What do we do? We find, we, we figure out what to do now. We'll have to send Jesus to fix this. Jesus was always plan A. It means that when God created humanity and he created the world, he knew that we were about to mess it up. But yet, he loved us enough to say, I am willing to down the road, years, 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 years later, send my son to die for you. Because manger love would grow up to be savior love. He would live a perfect life for 33 years, and he would give every, he would be tempted, he would be tried. He would be, he would be facing the same trials we did. He would scrape his knee, he would go through the same struggles, he would see the struggles that we're seeing, but yet he would never succumb to them. And later he would do so much healing and caring and loving that people would not be able to stand it and they would crucify him. And when he would die on the cross, he wouldn't stay dead, but he would raise again three days later. And in that moment that he had conquered death and sin, he promised something to you and I. He promised this. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That cute little baby that we celebrate on Christmas grew up to be our hero, to be our savior. Because we know that Romans 6.23 tells us for the wages of sin is death. 
but the free gift of eternal life is Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that kind of a beautiful picture that it's such a hard concept to imagine because in our world, love has to be earned. Prime example, like, you don't just meet someone the first time you meet them and ask them to marry you. Maybe you do. That's crazy and weird. Um, But you get to know someone and choose if you're going to spend life with them, right? Or spend however long with them. And we realize something, that this love that God had shown in the form of a baby, the way it entered into the scene, was a perfect example of how God's gift to us was himself. It was living a life that was honoring and pleasing to the Father, knowing that Jesus would grow up and die on the cross for us. It was the ultimate display of love because those sins separates us. The cross, right, unites us with Jesus, unites us with God, and unites us back into the kingdom of God. It grafts us into the family of God. And the beauty, the beauty of that is that it was the free gift of God, his eternal life, and Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans tells us that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouths that he is Lord, then we'll be saved. And the beauty of this, too, is not that this, this whole idea of the gospel, it's not just fire insurance. I have good news for you. The reason why we want to harp on this, this, this topic of love is because I want you to understand something, that the love of God doesn't stop at just saving you. If you think Christianity is just about getting saved, you're, experience, you're cheapening the experience. If you think the gospel is just about making it to heaven, I'm sorry, it's not fire insurance, but you are robbing yourself of experiencing God here on earth. Because he wants so much more to you than just be in heaven. God doesn't just want people in heaven. That's not his goal. He didn't say, man, it's like, it's great. We had, you know, another person join today. I mean, celebrating that he loves that. He's awesome. But he wants to take part in your life and your relationships right now. The ultimate display of love has to be the cross because when this baby grew up and died on the cross for us, John 15, 13 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you may have life. Oh, I'm ahead of myself. John 15, 13, sorry. No greater love than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus died for everyone knowing that some of you, someone in this room or someone way out here or someone way out in the world would never choose him. He died for them knowing that his love, his gift wouldn't even be accepted but would be rejected. And yet, it didn't stop him from hopping off the cross. Or it didn't stop him from staying on the cross. Sorry, heresy. Didn't stop him from staying on the cross. It's a beautiful picture of, though it was such a high cost to pay, he picked up the tab. He didn't ask you to pay him back later. He picked up the tab. And he said, your sins are covered, you are forgiven, those who put their trust in me. He doesn't expect you to earn his love. And that may be hard to hear because you've been taught your whole life you're supposed to earn people's love. Prime example is our love's always conditional. It's, it's, it just is. Yeah, I love my wife and I have to choose to love my wife. My wife has to choose to love me most days. I'm hard to love, trust me. <laughs> Zero to 100. I'm like 100 all the time until I'm not. And I realize something in these moments that this love of God that chases us and pursues us and cares for us and nurtures us is unconditional. It's without limitations. 
And though you may feel like someone has to do something for you to love them well or to agree with you for you to love them, trust me, I got a lot of y'all on Facebook. Y'all need to be kicked off of Facebook. But a lot of y'all feel like if you don't love me, you don't, if you don't agree with me, you obviously don't love me. That's not true. I can love people that I disagree with. In fact, I argue I need to love people I disagree with more. And not passive-aggressively, but with the love of Christ. And you ask how we do that? Good, I'm about to get there. Number three, this is the last part. Number three says, the love of God that brings abundant life. Now, when I hear this verse, I think, man, the love of God that brings abundant life, I like abundant life. Because when I think abundant life, I think a lot of things. Like God's finna bless me with a billion dollars or a million dollars. I'll take a million. I'm not, I'm not picky guy, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I realized something, that God is not talking or speaking to the tangible things, but the intangible things. God is speaking to something so much deeper than what you can experience. He says, hey, oh, believer, if you want to experience life and life abundantly, then let me tell you what I'm going to offer to you. I'm going to offer you my spirit that dwells in you, that offers you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you, Sunday school teacher, for reminding me of that. Here's the deal. When we talk about living life and life abundantly in Christ, it means that I use and trust the spirit of God in me to love people for me when I can't. Because Etienne, on his best day, I struggle. I struggle to love people. But I can know that the very God that lives in me can love people through me. I I see it all the time. We look at today's world and we see I'm not a big pop culture person. Someone maybe is. I don't know. It's cool. That's great. It's for you. Um, I watch a lot of sports. That's great. But that's it, all right? But I do notice, as I'm checking out at Publix, I always see the little, what do you call those, tabloids, magazines? Yeah, see those on my left. Um, and I don't know which ones are real, which ones are fake. Don't even know, don't even care. All right, but I'll be walking by these things, and every time I see it, I feel like I see that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are broken up or married again, okay? I don't know how many times it's been, maybe like 55 times or something, or like they're in a new relationship, or there's a new thing, and I realize something, that when we find ourselves holding people to the standard of God's love or holding our, stand, our people to the standards of our love, we realize really quickly that our love runs out fast. Y'all may love me. How could you not? I'm great and humble. But I love you for, for as long as, like, you're loving me well too, right? If, if, if I'm nice to you, care for you, and give you gifts, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, cool, you're great. If you love me, give me gifts, care for me, oh, yeah, I love you, great. But if you start talking bad about me or you start, you know, you walk up and punch me or like wolf, you steal my wallet because you're bigger than me. Like if you do something like that, my love is going to cease. It's going to stop because then you no longer deserve my love. Here's the beauty of the gospel is that though we do not deserve the love of God because, right, we all fall short. We all deserve death. We all deserve to be separated, but yet he still died for me. It's a reminder to me. It's a reminder to you that the love of God in us and through us is far more powerful than the love you can ever muster up on your own. Your relationships are not going to continue to flourish on your own love. Brother, sister, mother, uncle, weird neighbor that always yells at you because you're doing whatever too loud or too wrong, or your grass doesn't cut just right. The extra mile love that dwells in us only comes from the Holy Spirit that lives in us. You want to know how to love people better? It starts with remembering the love that was shown on the cross. It's no longer looking to my own self, my own feelings, but trusting Jesus. 
I want to leave this here. I'm going to leave you with some instructions on how to love and where to love, why to love. Here's the deal. In this season, as we continue to talk through Advent, as we're talking through this baby that was born, as we're talking about this crazy circumstances of this beautiful, beautiful picture of how Jesus decides to rescue his people and how he chooses to enter the scene, I want you to hear something so importantly. This love of God, this, this love of God that we have the ability to tap into, to trust, to know, is the very love that dwells within us if we choose to trust it. Jesus in you is more than capable to love someone that you cannot stand. Jesus in you is more capable to love your enemies than you are. Jesus in you is a lot more capable to love your spouse. Even when on the car right here, you probably wanted to yell and scream or argue or be frustrated with one another because someone was running crazy, one kid was doing this, you thought they were going to do this, they forgot to do this, they woke up late, they're taking too long, now you're running late. Jesus in you is way better at loving people than you ever could be. First John 4, we're going to read through this, read through this, whatever that was, read through this, and then we're going to uh, dive through a couple of these verses, and then we're going to get you guys out of here. Verse 7 starts as this, oh, first John 4, 7, if you could turn there. It's important I turn there first. Verse 7 starts as this. It says, Beloved. I want to stop there just for a second. If you don't know the love of God, sorry, this doesn't necessarily pertain to you. Maybe one day I pray that you come to a place of experiencing the love of God. We love to call, we know that you may not yet know this love, but I want to give you an opportunity to experience that in a little bit. Before we do, I want to speak to those old Christ followers in the room. I want you to know something, that God refers to you as beloved. Maybe you woke up this morning, you don't feel very loved. Maybe you woke up this morning and you feel so distant. Maybe you woke up this morning and you're at odds with everyone around you. Or maybe you're just like everyone else in 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of presidential change, in the middle of all the mumbo-jumbo. You don't feel loved. You don't think that anyone could care about you. You're not sure if you could continue to move on. I want you to know something, that the very creator of the universe looks at you and says, Beloved, he does not address who you think you are. He does not address your insufficiencies. He does not address the fact that you feel like a cheat or a liar or a thief or a failure. He addresses you as his beloved child. And maybe you're just in the room and just need to be reminded of that. The God of the universe, when he sees you, oh Christ follower, he sees his son in you. He loves you. He cares for you. Just a quick reminder there. Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever love has been born, oh, sorry, I skipped a verse there. Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he had loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved is God. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If you love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's such a beautiful picture. We talk about Corinthians all the time, that love is patient, love is kind, all this. That's great. That's beautiful. That's awesome. But I want you to hear something in 1 John 4. It puts some wheels on how we ought to love and our response to love. First and foremost in verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another from love is from God. Whoever love has been born of God and knows God. Let me tell you something. Love is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. If you love God, then the only appropriate response to that is to love people. 
I'm not a people person. You don't get that excuse no more. I have no reason to go to the extra mile. Why? Or no reason to not go the extra mile because I have to be reminded that the love that was shown for me is the extra mile kind of love. And oh, Christ follower, we don't get the pass. Remember when he said, beloved, it's important to know he's addressing Christians, so let's stop holding people who don't know Jesus to the same standards of what God is asking us to do. Because people who know God clearly know love. People who don't know God don't know love. Doesn't mean they can't love in their own way. Doesn't mean that they won't love in their own way. It means that, oh, Christ follower, you have the extra mile kind of love that dwells in you and the the Spirit of God who truly is going to sustain you and care for you and move you forward. And you don't get to give up on people. Even if they give you every reason to because I've given every reason in the world, more than anyone in this room, I bet, to have Jesus give up on me. I don't trust on my own understanding. I don't lean on my own feelings. But I lean on the very spirit of the living God that dwells in me. And that kind of love is a sustaining love. Verse 8, anyone who does not know, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. It's a reminder to us that we can't hold those people to the same standards. You can't expect people who've never experienced love to show love. Verse 10. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Am I saying that right? I think so. No, I don't know. It's a reminder to me that, guys, if you need to be reminded today, you didn't choose to love God first. God didn't like, you, you didn't discover God loved God, then he chose to love you. Let me tell you something. God loved you far before the world even existed. Psalms 139 says he knit you together in your mother's womb. It means that this is a God that loves you so much that he knew you were going to be flawed, yet he loved you anyways. He knew you were going to break his heart. He knew that you were going to stumble into the waysides. He knew that you were going to take 15 years to come to know him, 25 years to come to know him, 30 years to come to know him. He knew these things in advance, but yet he still knit you together. In fact, Romans tells us that yet while we were still enemies of Christ, yet he died for us. He died for you and me knowing that some of us will reject the free gift that he has of salvation. That love That same love, as we talk about this Advent love in this Christmas season, it has a funny way of bringing us around people that we don't always get along with, in-laws, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm just kidding, I love my in-laws, they're great. They're, your guys are great. Um, they're probably, they might be watching, you've got to be careful. Uh, There's a magical way of bringing out, like, the best in us and also the worst in us. And it doesn't help that it's 2020 and there's a pandemic, and I don't know which family members I'm allowed to hug and which ones I'm not. That's a problem. I'm a hugger, okay? And and these things stir up in us, and they frustrate us, and there's a lot going on. But I have to remember something in this season, that regardless of all the mumbo-jumbo, the Christmas spirit, and all that is great, and it's awesome. I can't forget the reason we celebrate is because of the love of my Savior. Let that be the driving and focal point of everything I do. Verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You notice he addresses you again and says, Hey, God loves you. Your only response to that is to love one another. Even the people you can't stand, even the annoying people. 
Verse 12 says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let's wrap this up here. Here's the beauty of this. It ends with him saying, here's the deal, y'all. You want, to know, you want to know love, you have to know God. And if you know God, then the only way to show people God is to live a life that is honoring to him. A lot of people need to, and I keep joking about this, but serious. Y'all on Facebook, keyboard warriors, your voice in your mouth says a lot of things, but your life shows differently. Y'all got gifted in the words of affliction. That's y'all's gift. And I want you to know something, that the world is not magically going to come to a place of understanding the gospel by just simply our words. Hear me, we must preach the gospel to must, but our lives ought to reflect that. How does it reflect that? I start to love people in a way that is uncommon and weird. I start to love people so fiercely that they can't help but ask why I'm doing what I'm doing, especially the people who hurt me and disagree with me. We tell people that if you disagree with me, you must not love me. But you have to understand something here. He's saying, no one has seen God, but God is made evident by the way we love one another. If Jesus can step out of heaven and be born as a baby into a horse trough, then you can die to your pride, your selfish ambitions, your prejudice, and all these things, and choose to love somebody because you're commanded to. It is not a suggestion, it is a commandment. Love the Lord your God and love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. And guess what? Whether you realize this or not, you love yourself. You don't have to tell yourself to get up and get something to drink. You don't have to tell yourself to get up and get something to eat when you're hungry. You don't have to tell yourself to take a nap if you're tired. You don't have to tell yourself to do these things because if you need it, you'll do it. So what would it look like for Christmas for us to display this radical love I'm no longer making it about me and what I'm going to get, but what can I give and how can I care for people that need to be loved? Because the love of God is made evident by the way that we love people. People will never step foot in this church. There's people that will, in your work, in your school, and everywhere you go, they will never step foot in this church, but they will sit across from you at the office. And the answer is not beating them to death with the gospel because they disagree with what you disagree with. The truth of the matter is, it's am I praying for them? Am I pursuing them? Am I caring for them? And am I loving them even though they get on my nerves? A lot of people are hard to love. But can I just release you from something? You can't love people on your own. You really can't. You only love people who love you well. Even Jesus said that, right? Even don't tax collectors, you know, love their family stuff? Don't they love the people that love them? That's easy. Love the people that don't love you. And the only way that that is made possible, the only way that's made possible is by trusting the very spirit of the living God that dwells within you. Hey, listen, we talked a lot about love today. We talked a lot about the gospel. We talked a lot about a savior. And I just want you to know something, that if you don't know this Savior, I want you to know that we want you to not leave here without knowing him. That there's a God that loves you so much that lived a perfect life and died on the cross for you. Yeah, for you. Regardless of how bad or wicked or messed up you think you are, I don't care how deep, dot the deep in you think you are. He loves you so much that he wanted to die for you. And when he died for you, he said that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that I am Lord, then you will be saved. And God's either 100% absolute truther or 100% liar. He can't be both. Can't, can't, God can't lie. And it's a promise in his word that for those that believe in him will experience eternal life with him. And here's the beauty of it. He doesn't just want to offer eternal life. He wants to offer abundant life. He wants to provide his spirit to live in you so that the days that you struggle to find peace, he wants to be your peace. The days you struggle to find joy, he said, I want to be your joy. The day you struggle to love people, 
He wants to love in and through you. So if that's you, I pray that you find someone on the way out. I'll be out there, by the way. Please come pull me aside. Come talk to me, any of our pastors, anyone, any of our deacons or anyone. We'd love to serve you in that. But don't leave here with questions. I want you to taste the love and the grace of Jesus that he offered at such a great price, but freely for us who believe. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for the fact that you sent your son to die for us. God, thank you though we didn't deserve it, though we couldn't earn your love, God. You displayed something so beautiful and amazing, God, that we can't even, words cannot even comprehend the beauty of that unconditional love. God, as we're naturally are good and right, God, help us to love people who don't look like us, think like us, and act like us. Help us to love people who disagree with us. Help us to remember that the reason we celebrate this season is because of you. Christmas presents are great. The lights are great. But God, if someone in here doesn't know you, I pray that they take the moment to know you, to get to know you, to ask the question, to say the prayer. God, because apart from you, there is no life. Apart from you, there is no love. Apart from you, there is no peace, no joy, no hope. But God, in you, all those things are given and given abundantly. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name.